Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. All right. Praise the Lord, everyone. Is that all you got? <laughs> praise the Lord, everyone. All right. And everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. We're going to continue to uh, pick up where we left off last week. We're talking on the theme, hindrances to go. Last week, we began uh, talking about one of the hindrances being confusion. Confusion will prevent a lot of people from being able to accomplish what God is requiring us or from us. And uh, we talked about understanding and how important it is to have an understanding and what understanding is. Knowing the value of the information that you have and having a personal value, you've got face value, which is the apparent, and you've got personal value, which is how you internalize it, but the total value is also knowing the intent or the purpose of that information. Amen. So when you have when you put all that together, you can get a better picture of the total or complete value. Of what you know. Philippians chapter 4. Does everybody have a handout? Before we begin. Anybody need one? Everybody's good to go? Amen. Thank you brother for speaking up. Anybody else? This is the same one. Alright. Thank you sir. God bless you. Alright. So we will continue on. Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication. With what? <laughs> Isn't it amazing how many people we have praying, but maybe not everybody's praying with thanksgiving. Anybody ever get thanks in your prayer when you're praying to God? Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the challenges that I do have because I know it's the trying of my faith that's going to work my patience. Amen. Supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. In other words, the Bible says if you hunger after, right, hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be Right. So prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding or transcends all understanding or the comprehension of man from an earthly or carnal or practical perspective. The peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard 
and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And I do believe that word peace in Hebrew is shalom. So a lot of times, if you've ever if you've ever been to the Middle East, they'll greet you with shalom, peace, right? Everybody ever heard that <laughs> the term, the phrase they used to use back in the day, peace in the Middle East? <laughs> it was always talking about peace. And as we talk about peace in our lesson here, uh, tying this in with uh, as it pertains to confusion or removing confusion, peace is a critical component to getting rid of confusion. You have understanding, but you also have to have peace. Now, we can take down the visual because this one is actually one of the ones I was supposed to have up before. So, um We'll just leave it at that. When we speak of peace, we are not referring to a piece of steel. So when you're talking about, if you've been on the streets and know anything about the streets, and they're talking about, I'm carrying my peace, that's not the type of peace that we're talking about. It's not a matter of giving someone a piece of your mind. Amen? We... We're avoiding arguments. From a carnal perspective or a practical standpoint, peace is a state of tranquility, along with the absence of violence and war. The spiritual perspective of peace transcends the carnal perspective in that it is the pure absence of evil. If you think about peace, it is the absence of evil. It is a divine virtue that can only be given by God through Christ Jesus. So understand first and foremost that, you know, in order to be at peace, we talk about the God of peace keeping us, right? Well, what does it say? It says if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what are we supposed to think on? Things that are pure, things that are lovely, that are honest, that are of good report. When you begin to deviate from the will of God, you can rest assured that you will lose your peace. Paul says the way of the transgressor is hard. Now think about that word transgression or a transgressor. Okay. That means that you are making a willful act in opposition to what you know to be right. To transgress something means to go against something. So think about it now. You have to first acknowledge that it's right and then transgress against what is right. And this is why so many folks don't have peace. Because you've been exposed to what is right. So now you have no excuse. Why can't you do what is right? I think we talked about some of it on, on uh, the last, the other Wednesday, we was talking about some of it, about folks who are exposed to the knowledge of truth, to things that are right. And even from a practical standpoint, there are certain morals that, you know, it, it, uh, I've heard it said many times before, but, you know, a thief can't stand when somebody steals from them. 
a liar doesn't like for anybody to lie to them. They don't like to be lied to. So what does that say then? Obviously, in your mind, psychologically, you have already acknowledged that it's wrong to do because you feel violated when somebody does it to you. Go rip off a drug dealer. <laughs> they coming after you. But they won't have no problem ripping somebody else off. The interesting thing about justice, I was just telling my son this the other day. The interesting thing about justice is we are okay with justice as long as it's not towards us. You ever see a trial and you see people on trial and you're like, man, they're guilty. Send them to jail. They need to be thrown under the prison. But let you be the one in the stand. Your Honor, I... <laughs> give me another chance, Your Honor. Right? Anytime that you start deviating from the things that God expects of us, you can rest assured there will be an absence of peace. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, the, na the name of Jesus, right? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. Let me know when you get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God is not about stirring up confusion. God is a God of peace. And a lot of times people will make the accusation against God. Well, if God was a God of peace, why is there so much war? Why doesn't he do anything about the tragic things that are happening in our world today? But you've got to put things in the proper perspective. When you transgress against what is right, we know even in, the, in our world today, from a practical standpoint, right, when we look at the laws of the land, we know that when you violate the law, you've got to face judgment, right? The law is there to protect. This is one of the interesting things. When you talk about in the church, it's no different. The laws that God put in place is to protect us. You got folks that leave the church and they have a wrong understanding about what the purpose of the law is. It's not to restrict us and say, well, you can't do, you can do whatever you want. God has given you the ability to choose, but he's also giving you a means to be protected. Because by doing the things he say that he's telling us not to do, there's a danger to those things. So when he says don't do it, he's really trying to protect us. You know, little kids, when you say, hey, 
don't touch the stove because it's hot. And what does little kids try to do? They just want to. <laughs> don't eat too much candy. You get sick. And they just keep on eating it. And what happens later on? Oh, I don't feel so good. My stomach is hurting. What did I tell you? Can you imagine how God looks at us? He's like, I told you. I told you to stay away from that. Don't go that route. Don't do that thing. And what'd you do? So his his laws are not there to restrict us. People are looking at it wrong. When he says live holy, let me tell you something. Very seldom are you going to have anybody come against you and make any false accusations against you when you're living your living life holy. For example, if you live in life holy, that means you ain't out in the wrong places at the wrong times. So that means there's no there's no room for somebody to accuse you or associate you with certain things. Well, if an act happened at the bar at about 12 midnight, where were you at 12 midnight? You might have been at Walmart, but that's not the bar. So the likelihood of you getting picked up by the law enforcement is slim to none. Most of us should be in our bed around midnight. Right? Well, Jesus... I understand some nights you can't sleep. But there is a huge contrast. When you start talking about living life the right way, the patterns that you keep, the lifestyle that you live, it's going to show. And let me tell you another thing that's going to happen for you. When you li- when people know that you live that lifestyle, even if you were falsely accused by somebody, the witnesses that know you will t- will attest to the lifestyle that you live. No, I know, I know him. He won't be caught doing that stuff. He don't go to bars. He don't drink. I had an individual. I was just at a farewell uh, get together at my unit, and one the first aunt came up to me and he was talking to me and you know. And they were joking about what he was drinking, and he was like, yeah, it's not strong. See, here, smell. He's like, but I I know you don't drink, so I'm not even going. Absolutely right. There's no need for me to smell this because it's amazing. When you get in a group of how people live, I'm not telling nobody to do this, but establishment that they work at and associate with some of the people that they associate with and see what they say about them. yet if you got people living in your home they'll tell you the real deal your lifestyle that you live living holy living the life that jesus is telling us to live that he puts in his word it makes a difference but those things are there to protect us is to help us is to keep us from the dangers that lurk about so it's important to know that. And the only way we're really going to recognize that is to look at it from a spiritual perspective. Look at it from a spiritual standpoint. You cannot under we cannot understand this. That's why it talks about the peace, right, that passeth all understanding. Our carnal comprehension 
We, we cannot comprehend that carnally. You know, another thing we can't comprehend from a carnal perspective is how a person can even be at peace when everything around them is nothing but trouble. By no means am I trying to convince anyone that you won't go through anything in life. But Jesus says, bless them that, right? You're going to be falsely accused, but let it be false. Don't let it be true. So I'm building something here because i got to touch on some things. And I uh, was praying about this like, Lord, okay, I'm going to give it my best shot here. God is a God of peace. We understand that God is not the author of confusion. And for those who want to go back to the Tower of Babel, I think I brought that out before. God was not simply just creating confusion just to have people confused. He was actually protecting them from killing themselves. So he had to give them different languages so they wouldn't understand each other because they were just adamant about building this tower that would reach to heaven. But they had no clue of the dangers of trying to to accomplish that. And we talked about, you know, the higher you go, you got all kinds of laws that you're trying to defy. <laughs> you ain't going to make it. So they would have risked their lives trying to do this. And God says, you know what? Before they kill themselves, let's go down here and help them out. Let's give them different languages. But the other part of the Tower of Babel, understanding that it's a judgment because they were deviating from what God had already had established. So, again, when I say you don't have peace in your life, understand you need to take a look at yourself. If you're living life as a child of God and you don't have peace, you need to take a look at yourself and see where you are. Because as a child of God, I, I believe the spirit, uh, the scripture tells us that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. If you've got the spirit of God in you, then what are you doing living this life without peace? Really? Peace is an inseparable component of God's DNA. In fact, God's desire toward us does not reside in conflict, war, or confusion. Jeremiah 29 and 11. Anybody know what that says? For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. If you remember what I told you quite a little while ago, you know, faith is one of those things. When you have faith in God, it is the ability to peer into or look at life through the lens of eternity and get a glimpse of what God sees. Because when God looks at your life, he's not looking at it just based upon where you're at at the moment. When God sees your life, he sees it all laid out. Because there's really no beginning or end to eternity. So God sees it all. Can you imagine? Can you think? Man. <laughs> Some of us have fo uh, have problems focusing just on the day. 
So listen, the truth is, any presence of evil diminishes the peace that we possess or experience in our lives. That's why it's so important to crucify the deeds of the flesh. We've got to put forth our best efforts in living this life pure, holy, and righteous. So the things, some of the things I'm going to talk about, I believe that really applies to us as a body today. I want you to take some of this stuff that we're going to talk about personally. If this applies to you, God is speaking to you and wanting you to change some things because some of us don't have peace. In this place, there are some of us who really don't have peace. We're getting by in life, but we don't have the peace that we should have. And can I tell you something? You wonder, and this is not in every case, but a lot of cases you'll find that when you have all kinds of sicknesses in your body and things going on, it's an indication of the life that you're living. Do you know how powerful your thoughts are? Your thinking can invoke some pain in your body. Did you know that? So we're going to talk about some of these things here that, that prohibit People from having peace. God's people. The first thing is backbiting. Backbiting, this is my definition here, is the intentional commencement of verbal derogatory slander against someone in their absence with a third party. Most likely, this behavior is vindictive and indicative of bitterness and resentment. So I know there was a couple of words in there, but let me just simplify it. Basically, you're talking about somebody behind their back, and you're intentionally talking, you're, you're slandering that individual. Now, for those who say, well, you know, I... I don't have to talk about them behind their back. I'll talk about them to their face. But if you are getting together with an individual behind someone's back or in their absence, it's still backbiting. And backbiting is not. Now, that's a component or that's a factor in gossiping. That is a type of gossip. It's a derogatory thing. And I'm sorry, but we have way too much backbiting in the body of Christ. Is it all right if I just, this, this, is, this is something that's killing the body. How you leave a service and barely get to your house and you on the phone with somebody talking about what so, sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so and pastor so-and-so said and did that made you feel upset? What nerve do we have? God forbid. And some of us will miss the whole message that God was sending to us because we're sitting there just angry and bitter and upset. Because somebody did something we didn't like. Amen, lights. Intentional. You know what the Bible says about resolving conflict? 
Now, before I say that, some of the stuff is just petty. Some of us can't be corrected to save our lives. As soon as somebody come and correct us, we ready to just, we ready to leave God, church, and everything else, all we invested. Just because we're being corrected. And not even looking at the fact that God loves us so much that he would correct us. Some of us, we, if we never got corrected, we'd destroy ourselves. Amen? Now, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to say some stuff, so y'all just bear with me and pray with me. But if the pastor or the pastor's wife, I don't care what church you in, if the pastor and pastor's wife have to come and say something to correct you, you need to understand that it's out of love and it's to help you. It's to help us. Amen? Come on, y'all. Now some of y'all looking at me like, well, I wish he would just be quiet. But that's the truth. Get upset with the pastor. Now he come. Man, you know what Pastor so-and-so said? Let me tell you, man. Pastor Park came and told me this. And I, I don't know what he, who he think he is. Uh, the pastor. And as long as he's not doing anything to attack God's people, it should be a good understanding. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know what that's really talking about? When the law of God is brought down, it should not, it should not be offensive to you. When God is expressing his love towards you, and He, whom he loves, he does what to? You know, a lot of folks want the favor of God, but God is looking for people who won't who won't give exhibit uh, godly behavior. You want my favor, but you don't want to behave. And godly behavior, you'll recognize when God is moving. So the chastisement is saying, "I love you." So stop backbiting. Stop talking about folks. That's, you know, that's for me. I'm just like, man, I, and it's easy to do. As a human being, it's easy to do. You ever find yourself, you sitting there and you ain't got nothing to talk about, and next thing you know, you just start talking about somebody? Just, just the thought just popped up. It might have been five days ago, a month, a year, and now you find yourself having this conversation. Because you didn't like what was said. Well, that rubbed me the wrong way. Well, when Pastor preached that message, I knew he was preaching on me. Maybe he was. And maybe it's time for you to change. You leaving the church. Sit down. Listen to what God has to say. Amen? I'm not being rude. I'm really not. Because if we want to make it to heaven, it's going to take some of that. You know what? I... I believe that God does that sometimes to check us in our flesh. Because sometimes flesh gets in the way. So God is like, no, nah, let's, let's bring your own in. Let me put you face to face with where you really are. A lot of people don't like that. But don't go back backbiting. You need to go pray. Amen? 
You're going to have a third party talk to Jesus because I guarantee you he won't join in your conversation and start talking bad about somebody. He going to help you out. <laughs> Two-faced. Mm. Two-faced is the act of intentionally misleading someone in efforts to convince them that you feel one way about them while discreetly harboring a contradictory thought. Now, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And we got some two-faced folks in the church. I won't talk to God's people. I know we got them in the world, but this is about God's people. For me, where I grew up, you just keep it real. That's all right. But I still love you. Sometimes, sometimes, there are things licked. This is a lot of reasons why some people don't like other people. You got some folks who just loud and just can't be quiet. And you got other folks that don't like. I See, I'm one of those type of people. I can sit in a room with other individuals. And I don't mind having conversations, but sometimes I don't mind. It don't bother me to be quiet and not say anything. Some people get uncomfortable. You ever have somebody always asking about the weather? <laughs> Look, ain't no wrong asking about the weather, but you ain't got nothing to talk about. And some folks trying to make conversation because they feel uncomfortable. And you know why some folks are uncomfortable? Because I really don't want to be around you. I can't stand you, but I'm going to smile in your face. I'm going to make you feel like we are best buddies. And this is what happens in the time of fellowship. You get some folks, and that's why we got clicks in the church now, because you got folks that just, man, you know, I just, yeah, you know, I just, that was so great. That was so good. And the next thing you know, they just soon as it. Leave from there, just two faces. If you, I, well, y'all probably never seen it, but they, they had this one cartoon character had two faces, and he had one. He would, he was the mayor of this little town, and he would walk up to house, and depending on how he felt, he would either show the smiley face, or he'll show the angry face, and it would just turn, it would swivel, depending on how he felt. But you got some folks who won't show. Now, I'm not telling you to walk around prune face and everything else. That's not what I'm telling you. But what I'm saying is if you know you have an issue with somebody, figure out what the issue is so you don't have to harbor that hidden thought and that hidden feeling. That's what I'm getting at. Because you can be a pretender all day long. Guess who you damaging? Yourself. And God is just looking at you, just you, the clown that you are, looking at you like, I wonder when you're going to change this pretending i can't stand that sister boy brother the mute man if he only knew every sunday and tell him and hugging him like i really care and all that you know fooling some folks are looking right past all that and say tell me because <laughs> i couldn't stand you either <laughs> well jesus listen and this is look this is stuff that keeps people from you know, there's a lot of folks, and again, the message comes across, and you'd be surprised what was going on in the minds of some people. God's people who say we're spirit-filled. We ain't got 
ain't got no rest, children don't want to act right, all kinds of other stuff. Took the time to sit back and assess what's really going on. We're stirring up. See, this is how I look at my life. When I look at things that's going on in my home or in my life, I have to take a, a step. I start thinking back. Conversations. What, did, what was my interaction? Hmm, did I? Okay, yeah, maybe I could have did that better. Maybe I could have changed that. I'm sorry, God. There are times that we're not careful this flesh will take over. Amen? And in two-faced. I have to put as if I'm something when I'm really not. You know, especially being in the ministry, one of the things you don't want to do is become an island. And all too often as God's people, sometimes we just, we take that on. We start acting like we ain't got nothing wrong with ourselves and we... Folks don't want to even ask their brothers and sisters for prayer for stuff that's going on in their body. Now, listen, there's a difference between complaining all the time. You crying about, oh, I got a, oh, my elbow, it itches. Every little thing that happens is crying and whining. Oh, I just need prayer. One of my hair, one of my pieces of hair fell out. I, I need prayer. That ain't coming back, but we'll pray for you. But there's nothing wrong when you have a need. In fact, the Bible encourages us. You can ask the elders of the church. And I don't care what level of ministry you're in, there should be no reason why you can't go to another brother and sister and say, Hey, I need you to pray for me. My body's not feeling good. All right, let's take it a step further, because if we can get rid of the backbiting, we can get rid of the gossiping, we can get rid of the two-faced, then maybe we can start interacting with one another and helping each other with some real issues. Some folks got addictions, and ain't nobody talking to nobody because everybody got issues. Nobody want to address anybody. How is it that we are a member of one body, but we're so divided? Where's the peace? You know, the atmosphere in the church should be peaceful. But more, more likely now what's happening is you're not finding the peace that you need in the church. Because we're not setting the atmosphere. Because we got too many issues going on that we're not trying to resolve. How can you give something you don't have? How can you contribute something you don't have? Where's the power? I don't have it because I lost it because I was... Too busy worried about something that offended me. I was too busy worried about some other issue and problem I had. And I'm worried about my own stuff. I ain't worried about anybody else. I'm, you know, all these things that's going on. This day and age, we cannot afford to be divided as a body. Now more than ever before, the atmosphere in this place, in the house of God, every place, every assembly, it ought to be something that's cultivating peace, love, joy, the fruit of the Spirit. We shouldn't have to fabricate peace. Amen? You know you got something going on, and you gotta you gotta be wise because you can't tell everybody your issues. But you gotta know who you can go to, and you gotta know who God is providing for you. Sometimes God puts people in your life to help you through what you're dealing with. 
God knows exactly where we are and his desire. What did he say? To an expected end. You know what his end is for? His desire is that we all make it. We all be saved. Amen? That's why he died for the sins of the whole world. So that we could all gain eternal life. He's not looking for us to be destroyed. That's why the scripture says God is not willing that any, but that all should come unto repentance. That is the beginning of that, that salvation experience. Turning away from those things that's, that's been drawing you away and taking you away from the things of God. That's been destroying your life. But if we put on those spiritual cosmetics, we think we're shielding, we're not making any progress. So how can you do anything for God when you're always putting on a facade? Take off the mask. You know, God is, God is a forgiving God. And God, there's nothing that God can't handle. And the other thing we need to realize is that there's nothing that God don't, I mean, that he's not aware of that's going on in our lives. But we have to be willing to change. Don't be fake about it. Be real about where you are. You know, the Bible talks about coming before God with a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. God, the reality is I'm really messed up. I know I go every Sunday and I put on this, these clothes and I appear before everybody like I got it together. I'm good to go. Pastor, I'm good. Don't worry about it, man. You got to pray for that. Well, I'm, I'm sick right here, but, you know, I ain't going to tell you about the real issues that's going on in my life, Pastor. We good. But how am I going to progress? Everybody with me? Okay, because this is, these are things that are keeping us from having the peace that we need to have in our lives. Everybody want to blame the devil. The devil, you know, he don't even deserve half the credit he get. <laughs> he don't even have that kind of power unless we give it to him. You ever see somebody? <laughs> ever see somebody make excuses for stuff? No, because the world we live in, it's not, it's not excuses. Man, those are legitimate reasons. It's amazing to me how many people want the benefit of being in a certain position in a company wherever they work at, but then they don't want the responsibility. I want to raise, I want to be the manager, but I don't want to work. I don't want to be responsible for people under me. Now, does that make sense? Well, you ask some folks, they'll say yes, but that doesn't make sense. Because if that was the case, I wonder what would happen if God just said, well, I want to be God, but I don't want to, I don't want to answer no prayers. 
Mm. You know how rough of a life that would be for us? Can you imagine, like, oh, I've been praying to God. He ain't answering none of my prayers. I'm struggling down here. I've been living this life right. That's how some folks feel today. (laughs) But let me assure you, God is not that type of God. God is kind. He never sleeps. He's not insensitive to what's going on. But the biggest thing God is looking for is for us to live up to the things that he expects from us. And if he expects it of us, that means that he's equipped us to be able to do it. He's given us the ability to do it. And you got folks making excuses. You know, in the church, we got folks making excuses for things that need to be done. Nobody want to raise their hand, but when it's time for potlucks, everybody want to eat. I don't know why I want to volunteer. When it's time to benefit, everybody want a handout, but don't nobody want to put a hand in to help. I, I, know, I told you I was going to be a little bit rough, but it's the truth. So when you start making excuses why you can't do certain things, some people make excuses why they can't be at church. God forbid. I I mentioned this before. I say it again. What if God blessed us according to our faithfulness to him? I told my son this before, you know, he, we was talking about the promotion. And I told him, I said, son, you know, honestly, if I got everything I deserved in life, I wouldn't even be living right now. Because I don't deserve the breath that I breathe. So if anything, I owe God everything. Every ounce of energy that I have, I owe it to him. Well, I'm too tired to pray. Well, I guess I'm too tired to bless you then. I'm too tired to read the word of God. Well, I guess you're too tired to be ready for when the devil comes your way and you ain't got no means of defense. Because you're supposed to use the sword of the spirit. But if your sword is dull. Can't fight with your sword in the sheath. Amen. Psalm 37 and 37 says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. Great peace have they who love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. 
be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Remember the scripture we started out with in Philippians. One of the, one of the ways, the sure ways to start living in peace, you've got to first make up in your mind. I told you a lot of the stuff that we talk about starts with how you think. You think troubling thoughts, you're going to have trouble in your life. For as he thinketh, you got some folks that are just negative about everything. Can't find that. Just find the negative in the positive stuff. And I can't figure that one out. Soon as soon as the issue come, oh, you know, <laughs> look, I've heard people just got to they start having a headache. Oh, man, I might have cancer. Well, how do we? <laughs> how about love? <laughs> how about a Tylenol? Lord, help me get rid of this headache. You, you're going to diagnose yourself with cancer. You're about to die in three months. You ain't been to the doctor yet. <laughs> just negative about everything. And then wonder why he ain't got no peace. <laughs> if people watch the watch what's going on in the government and say, Oh, I ain't gonna have no job by the end of this year. Well, what did they say? <laughs> well, we just think about doing some cutback. I just lost my job. Well, hold on now. You You done lost sleep? Look, you got <laughs> It, it sounds funny, but you got some folks that's out there. They, you know, as soon as they hear something in, in, in the government or, you know, in the news, the stock market's going to crash. This is it right here. This is the big one. He just had a little reduction. <laughs> you done brought chaos to the world already. Can't sleep. Now you're trying to find a plan to the backup plan to the backup plan to the backup plan. You done planned yourself 20 years out and you may not even live that long. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. I know my time is up here. Therefore, the prisoner for the Lord appeal to and beg you to walk. Lead a life, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. Living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind or humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the spirit in the binding power of peace. Brothers and sisters, this is this is what I wanted to get. at. I mean, there's so much that you that I could really talk about when we talk about peace. But the biggest thing I'm getting at is this. Most of the lessons, most of the messages that we continue to talk about, I'm di- it's directed towards the church. And the reason being is because if we can't be effective as a church body, 
those of us who say we possess the power and the spirit of God, then how do we expect to make an impact or a difference in the world that we live in? The world that we are living in is living in chaos and confusion. If we're adding to the confusion, then what does that say about the God that we serve? It's a contradictory message that we're giving to the world that obviously we serve a God of confusion, which means our God is no different than the God that they serve. But the reality is we are different. We've been called out of darkness. We've been called out of confusion to set a difference. And that's why the Bible calls it the gospel. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Because when they come to know God, God is the one that can deliver them from the evil in their life and bring them the peace that they need. But if we're causing war with amongst ourselves, then who's winning the battle? Whose lives are being changed? As a church body, we got to get rid of the confusion. And one of those ways is to make sure that we are living in peace, first of all, within ourselves and then amongst ourselves. Starts with the thinking, because everything you think is going to be exhibited in the behavior that you display. Amen. So let's go forth in peace. And it don't have to be in the Middle East. God bless you. Let's take a break. In Jesus' name, get ready for a dynamic service.